Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 475. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Read our stories at slowflowersjournal.com. Our first sponsor thank you goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Before we get started, I want to announce the winner of my 2020 Tilth Conference registration giveaway. I ask you to post a comment in last week's show notes to tell us the one thing you're doing in your floral enterprise to address climate change. Our winner, Asha Lurie, past guest to this podcast, commented, Patagonia Flower Farm is located in the high desert of Arizona. When we first started thinking about flower farming, the most important thing to us was water conservation. We have found that using landscape fabric slows down evaporation and has allowed us to use a minimal amount of water. It does this by blocking the sunlight and in turn keeping the soil moist for a much longer period of time. Well, thanks for the great comment and congratulations, Asha. You'll be attending virtually the 2020 Tilth Organic Farming Conference on November 9th and 10th. I'll send you all the details for your complimentary registration. We have so much Slow Flowers news that I'll share it after our main interview. At the end of this episode, listen for my recap and I'll share details about the 2021 Slow Flowers member survey and news about no fewer then three more virtual education opportunities where Slow Flowers will be well represented. There's a registration promo code and a free attendance option in the mix, so stay tuned. I met today's guest, Talia Boone, when two other Slow Flowers members reached out to tell me about her and her new floral venture. As soon as I learned about Talia and her Los Angeles-based company, Postal Petals, I thought, we need her to join Slow Flowers because her mission is in alignment with ours 100%. Thank you to Yanni Levenbach of Flowers Without Borders and to Whit McClure of Whit Hazen, who separately connected me with Talia earlier this summer. Talia Boone is a veteran marketing communications and branding strategist whose background is in professional sports and entertainment. About three years ago, she formed Intersect, a creative tactical solutions agency that serves as a catalyst for pioneering ideas, collaboration and creative opportunities at the intersection of sports, business, technology, consciousness, culture, and the arts, with the goal of promoting socially and culturally relevant conversations and collective action. Up until now, Talia's focus has been at the intersection of sports, business, culture, and social impact. 
and now flowers. Her new business, Postal Petals, has a social impact mission, and I'm excited to share her story in our conversation today. Talia is a self-described floral enthusiast and DIY floral arranger. Since she's based in Los Angeles, she often shopped at the Los Angeles flower market during public hours, bringing home flowers to arrange and enjoy as part of her personal creativity and mental health practice. You'll hear how COVID is to blame for Talia's newest venture. Originally provoked when the San Francisco flower mart closed early in the COVID pandemic, and her search at the time for farm direct flowers to fill her flower fix. Postal Petals Origins began with that search. Launched online in September, here's how Postal Petals is described. Think of us as a farm to table produce box, but with fresh flowers. Postal Petals connects flower lovers directly to farms to receive fresh flowers at a competitive price point when compared to the retail marketplace. Each stem is handpicked and cut just hours before they are carefully packaged and shipped to you for delivery within 36 hours of harvest, ensuring quality and freshness. Once you open your petal box, you can build those beautiful loose blooms into stunning arrangements with a quick video tutorial or virtual hands-on workshop with one of our professional florists. Each petal box includes vibrant flowers sourced domestically from eco-friendly farms. From calla lilies and cherry sunflowers to picturesque peonies, there's a new floral adventure inside of every postal petal box. So let's welcome Talia to the Slow Flowers podcast to learn more. I'll share photographs, links, and Talia's social places so you can find and follow along her journey. And don't miss her Black Florist Friday hashtag series on Instagram. It's a wonderful addition to the floral community. Let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am delighted today to introduce Talia Boone of Postal Petals. Talia is coming to us from Los Angeles via Zoom. Hi, Talia. Hi, Deborah. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you bet. I, I'm fine, and I, I'm so happy that I can see you through the miracle of uh, the computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I should say uh, you are a relatively new member of Slow Flowers. You were We were introduced by Yanni Levenbach of Flowers Without Borders, who listeners may remember hearing on the podcast um, earlier this year. And uh, I was so interested in what you were doing. We jumped on the phone together. You kind of told me, told me about your business, and I convinced you that I wanted you to be in the Slow Flowers family. So our I don't know if I had to convince you, but you're here. Um, <laughs> so Talia, before we get into you know how this happened, can you just define what Postal Petals is? And I'm looking at the website now, so I might ask you a few questions about some of the, some of the features on the website, but give us a snapshot of your business uh, in the floral space. Yeah, so I like to refer to Postal Petals as like um, as almost like a farm to table produce box, but for fresh flowers. So we partner with farms to send uh, fresh flower boxes to our consumers, our customers, for them to create their own DIY arrangements at home. Like that would be our elevator pitch of, mm-hmm. of what Postal Petals is. That's interesting. So and anybody who's a subscriber to a CSA uh, produce box understands that you the food isn't cooked for you and you're saying the flowers aren't designed for you it's it's it's, um raw material for your creativity 
Exactly. And that's really, to, to be honest, that's the piece that's most important, right? Because we'll see models where people, you know, are, the flowers are sent and they can just, they're already beautifully arranged, but they are, you know, kind of labeled as, you know, arrange them yourself, but it's really just putting them in the box. This kind of for me started because I enjoy the process of creating. I enjoy the process of deciding which flowers are going to go well together and how high the arrangement should be or how low the arrangement should be. And I wanted to be able to replicate that same experience um, for our customers. And so we we do, we send them long stem flowers. They're not processed at all. You know, you have to, you know, open it up. You have to cut the stem. You have to pull the leaves off. And then you decide if you want a tall arrangement or a short arrangement. And you may see you know, maybe there'll be a little bug flying around in there <laughs> because I mean, it's very, very, it's, it's very, very authentic to the farm experience. We, we, it's, you know, usually within 24 hours of them being cut, uh, they're at your door. So it's, it's mm-hmm. very, very fresh. It's very, very fresh. Well, the name postal petals, it totally says what's happening. Like you're getting these <laughs> in the post. Uh, they're coming to you, uh, through, I don't know, probably through FedEx, um, I'm assuming, that kind of delivery, right? Yeah, they come through like a like a FedEx. Um, we're actually in the process of speaking with UPS. Hopefully, they'll end up being a good a shipping partner of ours. We also use um, DSA, I mean, not DSL, uh, GSO. Um, anyone that we know that is um, that can is reliable with shipping uh, perishables right. overnight because it, it they are fr- they're they're perishables. They're fragile material. Flowers are very very fragile, and we've been really intentional about only using carriers um, that we know will care for our very precious cargo. So yeah. Well, let's follow the journey of of a, a I don't know, an order, I guess. You've got different categories by size basically on uh, the Postal Petals website, Beanie Box, Midi Box, Biggie Box. I know you'll have others too, but um those are the ones that are popping up for me right now. Um the, how are people ordering the flowers? And then how do you get the flowers to them? I mean, that, that would, I guess that's sort of obvious, but. Okay, so first things first is they come on. We do only offer those three sizes. And that was really intentional because I, you know, my background is in, you know, brand building, marketing, communication. Um, and what I know, what I've, I've known from the very beginning is that you always start with a very few SKUs, right? Like you, mm. you simplify the process, don't make it too complicated. Mm-hmm. And so right away I said, you know, let's let's start with a small size box, um, our beanie, which is named after my, um, my forever dog daughter, Beanie Baby Boone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's our smallest box. It goes for um, $89. And then with that, you get anywhere from six to eight bunches of, um, of flowers, which depending on what kind of flowers they are, could be anywhere from 60 to 80 stems. Okay. Uh, and then with the midi size box, um, you're going to get anywhere from nine to 12 to 13 um, bunches. And then with the big, with the uh, biggie box, which is named after Biggie, Biggie Smalls. <laughs> I'm a hip hop girl. It's so um, good. I love it. <laughs> um, and that's going to be our largest box where you're going to get anywhere from, you know, from 12 to 16 um, bunches. And the way that it works is when you get on the website, um, the first thing you do is kind of look to see 
uh, you know, what size boxes we have because people will almost immediately go to our flower shop. But then when they get to the flower shop, the first thing that they'll see is that they have the option to select, you know, what flower recipe they want, if you will. And so the way our process works is that we've partnered with nearly 20 farms. And what happens is with those farms, um, they'll send us the list of, or we'll kind of know at this point, like what farms have which flowers at what time of the year. Mm -hmm. And we'll kind of sit down internally as a group and decide on our own what flower recipes we think will be, you know, will look the nicest together. And then those are, those become our, our featured recipes. And then, you know, I create like really cool names for them. Like last month we had a box called uh, Brown Skin Girl and it had like chocolate Cosmos and chocolate lace. It was a really, really beautiful box. Um, and then one of, one of my favorite boxes um, this month is called the Baby Bloomer. Um, and it's got like dahlias and roses and, um, and uh, eucalyptus. It's just, it's a beautiful box. And so we'll, we'll kind of um, look at what's available and then we'll give them fun names. Like we have one that has mostly roses and I call it clicky rosé. Mm. Yeah. I'm looking um, at them now. Yeah. It's, it's your, yeah. your copywriting is, is really engaging. And even if, <laughs> even if it, you don't know exactly what it is, you want to click through and, <laughs> and read just the just list. What's going on? Yeah. Like where'd they get this from? <laughs> yeah. And so, so after you kind of go to the what's blooming page, take a look at what's in season and in the way in which we've, you know, kind of grouped, we look at the flowers as ingredients and the recipes as, you know, kind of how we ma- we match them together. And then you'll go onto the page. Um, if you decide you want a, a beanie box, you'll go to the beanie box page, you'll go to the drop down menu and you'll select one of the boxes um, that are featured. And we'll usually only do, you know, anywhere from four to six box options each week. Again, just not wanting to overwhelm people, but wanting to give, you know, enough of a variety so that we can, you know, kind of touch each different type of flower lover, right? Because, you know, you'll be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't like flowers, but everybody likes a different type of flower. Someone loves wildflowers, someone loves food flowers. Like there's so many different types of flowers. So uh, there they can go and, you know, decide, you know, what's what type of box they want and, you know, or they can pick for us to surprise them, you know, because that's one of our things, too, is we say there's a new adventure in every box. And some people are like, you know, you pick my adventure, you decide what I get. And I always love um, when we can do that because then we get to surprise them. They, they don't know what's coming and we'll get feedback where they'll message us and say, I love this box. It's so great. And I um, mean, those, that's the kind of feedback that I, that I really enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, people can either do a one-time purchase or they can do a subscription for either every week, every other week or once a month. And then you um, said that you work with about 20 different farms. These are, um, Mo- they're U.S.-based farms, correct? Only U.S., okay. only U.S.-based farms. And that was really intentional uh, for two reasons. Um, first and foremost, it just didn't sit well with me or really make good sense to me that I would import flowers when there are plenty farmers here that that offer fresh flowers. Also, you know, in 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 my in my extended life, you know, we we do work around like human human rights issues, civil rights issues, environmental issues, and it would have been so incredibly hypocritical for me to um, to increase my footprint mm. um, on the earth through this project mm-hmm. by shipping flowers from you know from around the world. And that's not I want to be clear; it's not to um, speak ill of anyone who does. It's just a, it's a decision that that you know I have the right to make, and I I decided that I wanted them to be domestic. And the second reason. Um, is really just for the sake of just supporting the U.S. economy, right? Like um, part of um, the trigger for me starting this business, uh, one, 
selfishly because I wanted to be able to have flowers that I could arrange. <laughs> but then also to me being made very aware of how, um, in particular, the U.S. flower industry had been, you know, so incredibly impacted by COVID-19, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that, you know, there weren't events, there weren't weddings, and, and there, there were farmers that were actually suffering. And so I just felt like, well, if I want flowers, I'm sure other people want flowers. And if the farms have fl- have flowers that they need to sell, I want to first focus on the flowers of the farmers that are, you know, kind of in, in my family, if you will, yeah. um, in my American family. So. And you are based in the Los Angeles area. And uh, it, it, I'm guessing most of the farms that you're currently working with are California based, but I could be wrong. Most of them are, yes. Okay. Most of them are, yes. We're actively working to um, lock in additional partners across the country. Yeah. Um, just because we're shipping everywhere now. We're shipping to New York, Rhode Island, um, Florida, the Carolinas. We're shipping everywhere, Chicago, Colorado. We're, we're shipping a lot of different places. Uh, Talia, are you, um, how is it, how, how, just the mechanics? Like I, I place an order and then you're, work, you're communicating that order to the farm that has the flowers that, you know, in the clicky rosé selection or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the farmer, the farm is handling the shipping direct, right? Does that cut, cut yes. out a couple of days that like, you're not handling the flowers, right? We're not handling the flowers. And that was, and thank you for asking that question, um, Deborah, cause that was actually really, really important because, um, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do was, was look at the ways in which flowers are shipped. Right. But then also, and not just from a longevity and a quality standpoint, but also from a cost perspective, Mm. because I wanted it to make sense financially. Right. Like I wanted it to be where people could get as much as many bunches of flowers in their box as possible. But then also I wanted those flowers to be able to last. And you know, from, you know, from being in this industry that, you know, flowers will sometimes ship two and three times before they land, you know, with the consumer. So by the time they get to a consumer, they could be five to 15 days old just because they've been, you know, kind of cared for, you know, at the grocery store or at, you know, at the florist or whatever. And so I really just wanted to cut that, you know, cut that piece out, not to say cut out the florist, because I don't believe that we compete with florists, right? We're offering a completely different, a completely different service, but we, because we ship directly from the farms, we don't need um, to add on to the cost of our flour so that we could pay for the flowers to be shipped from us, I mean, from the farms to us, and then for us to put, you know, in fancy packaging and then ship out uh, to our customers directly. Like, we, just, there's just no need for it. And even to that point, if you don't mind me even getting into, you know, our strategy around packaging and yeah. branding, we really don't do it. Mm. Um, and it's just because it's just not, it, it just does not feel necessary. And it also feels very tone deaf mm. for me at this point, right? Like we're in a space where, you know, I want these flowers to do two things. I want them to be, you know, beautify spaces and enhance moods. And I want them to be like a, 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 a soul filler for people. I want people to be, you know, engaged in the experience and give it, them an opportunity to just, you know, kind of, I don't want to say forget what's happening around them, but give them a space to breathe, give them an hour or two hours where they can kind of quiet their minds. And the more flowers they have to do that, you know, the better. And in the process of building this company, you know, one of the first things I started looking at was, okay, you know, I want to have really cute branding and these boxes and all of this stuff. And as I kind of started looking I was like, wow, that this stuff is really expensive. And I would have had to take out because let's be honest, when you, when, whenever you get that really fancy branding, it's always the customer who's paying for it. It's mm. never the company, mm-hmm. right? It always comes mm. out of what 
the quality of the of what the customer gets. And I just didn't want to do that. Like I just kind of felt from a common sense perspective, people are going to throw that stuff away anyway. Um, and, you know, it's the flowers that people are, are paying for. It's mm. the flowers that they want. And it's such a, um, for me, again, I, and I want to be really mindful because sometimes it can it can seem, um, you know, like I'm passing a judgment on anyone who does it. And I want to be really clear that that's not, that's not my intent. It's not my heart to do that. It's, I can only speak about my personal right. preference. Right. That it, it just feels, it felt like a vanity move. And I thought that, you know, so long as we sent people fresh, long lasting, high quality flowers, that's really all they would need to remember us. Right. Like they'll remember where those flowers came from and they'll want to go back and get, get more. And so far that's worked. Well, they're worked. seeing they're seeing your branding, which is adorable, but they're seeing it on your website and on your social media, which is how you want to connect with people anyway. So I, yeah, I totally you. follow your train of thought. And uh, I do think waste is a big issue in the floral industry anyway. And so I can mm-hmm. see where you're just trying to take one one facet out of the mix to reduce you know that amount of waste in 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 this gesture of not repackaging flowers that have already been packaged once um exactly so who is your customer um i'd love to know kind of what what i know you you've turned the store on what about 10 10 weeks ago or so when did you actually debut So we started beta uh, in early July, oh, not early July, late July, late July, very okay. late July, we started beta. And beta was just um, to a very safe, small group of family and friends uh, for them to look at it and really kind of go through, you know, give us notes on, you know, what processes worked, where were the bugs in the website, what did they think about the copy, you know, that kind of stuff. And we took about three weeks, the plan was three to four weeks, um, to kind of correct everything, add additional features. It was actually during the beta site with some of that feedback that led us to create the um, the What's Blooming page and the mm. flower um, options, mm. uh, just because we realized very early on in that process that choosing flowers for, um, for customers um, wasn't the best idea because we didn't know what they would like. Um, and so it, unless they specifically said they wanted us to choose them, we wanted to empower them to do mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. anyway, so so we were intending to go into soft launch at the end of August, uh, but then the, um, the heat wave hit mm. and we decided that it wasn't uh, the flowers it just wasn't safe for them to travel during that time because it was so, uh, it was so warm. Uh, and so we decided to kind of halt, uh, the soft launch until early September, which actually ended up being a blessing because Mm. I was able to get a number of things that I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to get done rather quickly. I was able to allow for myself to kind of complete, um, over time and actually in a much better way. So I'm, I'm grateful mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, uh, soft launched in, uh, early September and by soft launch, I just mean, you know, we started, you know, kind of posting about it on social media actively, like, you know, on my accounts and on, you know, accounts of our friends and, um, and, you know, uh, and it, uh, reaching out to an extended group of, of friends, family network, that kind of thing, um, to just kind of say, all right, now we're, we're open to anyone that, you know, who knows someone who knows someone go ahead and, and let them know. And that way we could, you know, kind of take our feedback outside of a safe bubble and let, <laughs> you know, kind of the consumers in the wild, if you will, 
um, <laughs> you know, real strangers who sure. <laughs> like flowers, real, real life strangers. <laughs> that was an adjustment for me. I talk about that in one of the blogs, this idea of encountering consumers in the wild and how that's going to, <laughs> you know, how that's going to affect the way that I do business and, and also the way that I'm looking at it as an opportunity for personal growth, mm-hmm. right? Because you hear these horror stories about, you know, the ways in which, you know, you have to, you know, uh, uh, engage with consumers because they're, when really they're, I don't want to say they're feral because that's a joke that I say like, oh, they're wild they're, yeah, but you just right. don't know what you're going to get. You may get right. a loving one or you may get one that's just so incredibly unreasonable, but, but your patience and your compassion has to remain consistent. Mm. Right. And so I wanted to soft launch just so I can begin to kind of build up my stamina. Cause yeah. I, I don't suffer for, I don't suffer for foolishness at all. <laughs> I am one of those people that protect my peace at all costs. You and so set I wanted your boundaries. To, <laughs> yes. My boundaries are well-defined. Anyone that knows me knows that my my boundaries are not confusing. <laughs> uh, well, we've talked about kind of what Postal Petals is and how it works. And I alluded to a little bit about who the customer is, but maybe we can talk about your path to launching because I feel like this, at its core, you you and your interest in flowers are, are the customer. I mean, your, your personal interest in flowers prompted this whole business, right? Yeah. You know, it, it really interesting. I... The way that I I say that I kind of fell into this business is because uh, we were about a month and a half, two months into quarantine, or as I call it, punishment, because yeah. we were all locked in the house and couldn't go anywhere. And um, which in the LA Flower Mart was closed. You know, the LA Flower Mart here is it's the it, I didn't realize this until uh, until I started this company, but the LA Flower Mart is the second biggest flower mart in the world. And I I take for granted the fact that I have such immediate access to it but it was closed mm. and I wasn't able to get flowers. And I usually will arrange my own flowers just because I, I just, I enjoy having flowers around, but also too, because it's very relaxing for me. It's very therapeutic. And particularly in, um, in my line of work, I just need those types of outlets where I can just kind of calm my mind and, you know, kind of re- remind myself of the beauty around us and remind myself of the things that are bigger than us. And so flower arranging really does that for me. And by the time we got into the second week of um, of quarantine, I was very much at the end of my rope. I needed a fix. And that <laughs> fix was for flower arranging. And But but the LA Mart was still closed. It was This was just before Mother's Day. And they, mm. had, they were opening, I think, later in that week. But I didn't know that at the time. And I ended up on this, down this rabbit hole um, on Instagram and found a, um, a, a flower wholesaler that ships. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to just call him and see if I could get him to reduce his minimums um, and send them to me. And if he didn't, then if he couldn't reduce his minimums, then my alternative was, okay, then I'll, you know, get whatever his minimum is, have it split up into, you know, six or eight or 10 boxes, ship them out to my friends. We'll hop on Zoom. I'll get, I'll hire a florist and we'll have a little fun quarantine activity. Well, I ended up on the phone with him. And that's in, in the process of talking. We were on the phone for over two hours. And uh, by the end of the conversation, I realized that the reason I was calling him was a business, right? Like that if I was, you know, in need of flowers to arrange, there may be other people who wanted, you know, to have flowers at their house that they could arrange on their own. If I thought that, you know, this could be a really cool, fun and engaging activity, you know, for me and my friends to do virtually, someone else might want to do it or a company might want to do it or a sorority might want to do it. Um, 
and and so that's that's really kind of how it all how it all came about. And I thought about it. I mentioned it. He said, "I actually think that that could work." And I immediately went to work putting together the wireframe, building out what the brand st- the brand story would be. And here we are. That was three months to to July when we beta, and now we're four months, four and a half, mm-hmm. five months almost. Wow. Wow. Can you say who that is that you had the long two hour conversation with? Yanni. It was Yanni. (laughs) It was Yanni. And if if it weren't for him, I would not have, um, postal pedals wouldn't be a thing if it weren't for him. And the reason being is because and you know him, he's, he's so, um, he's so incredibly knowledgeable Mm -hmm. about flowers, but he's also so very patient Mm -hmm. with the information. And the reason that I was even able to come to this idea is, you know, it's not that he just said, no, your minimums are too low. I can't work with you. Bye. He was kind enough to help me understand why he couldn't do what I wanted him to do. He said, hey, this is why the minimums are what they are. This is why the farms aren't able to do it. This is how the farms have been impacted. Like he was so kind and gracious Mm -hmm. and generous with that information. It allowed the conversation to continue to go. And through that, not only did I gain knowledge, I also gained empathy. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to figure out a way to solve not just the the issue of you know yeah other people need flowers too but also realizing like wow this industry is 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 beginning to suffer as a, as a result of this pandemic and because that's a lot of the work that I do anyway but you know kind of before I got into the impact stuff was working with brands to kind of figure out the best way to launch or survive or you know rebrand and all of these things and I immediately thought of this and just was like I feel like I feel like this could help mm. this is this is one of those win 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 situations. And, and it just turned out to be so. Well, it sounds like you created the business and uh, Yanni is your like your outsourced uh, pr- uh, procurement manager or something. I mean, he's kind of your interface with some of the farms, right? Yeah, like he he handles it all. Like he's so he's so amazing. I and I don't mind saying it, and I don't um, I, I don't mind the acknowledgement at all. There's no postal pedals um, without without Yanni, right? Because he, you know, he's the the one that says, you know, okay, yeah, these flowers are are really beautiful, but it's going to turn here shortly. When I said we had to we had to stop because of or put a pause because of the heat, it was Yanni who really pressed for that because I was like, no, we're going to keep shipping, just make them ship faster, and he was like. Like, no, because it's going to complicate. He keeps me, keeps me really grounded. Mm. Right. And it's, it's been a really beautiful partnership that we have because I've grown so much in my understanding of flowers for myself to arrange, but then also the way in which they package and ship and all of the stuff that you need when you're building a business like this. And then on, you know, for his part, he's, you know, we were were talking about this this morning. We're always doting on the other. Like I'm always doting on him for the the flower knowledge that he shares. And he's always doting on me for the the business acumen and the business and the branding strategy that he's able to to learn as well. So it's a really beautiful partnership. I love collaborating with people in a way that everybody's able to grow. Well, um, he mentioned, Yanni uh, mentioned some of the same things you're saying when I, he first called to tell me about being involved with this. He didn't say who you were. He didn't say the name of your business. He described this woman who was super like with it in terms of understanding branding and the, you know, dealing with the consumer. And, you know, he's a guy who's in the B2B world. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think this, this concept would never even occurred to him. You know, you're the one who's saying, here's how we're going to do B2C. 
and how can we work together? So, um, yeah, I think that I can see the mutual um, adoration society or appreciation society going on there between Absolutely. both of you. I'm so grateful for him. Well, that's really neat. And I'm really glad that, um, you know, again, you're multiplying outlets for uh, the farms that Yanni would be purchasing from mm-hmm. on behalf of wholesale, cu- like florists or wholesale customers. And now if Postal Petals, you know, is continues to grow, it's basically creating, a, you know, a new channel for some of these farms that really don't yeah. want to get into the cons- direct-to-consumer business themselves. So you're kind of creating a, a portal for them that is and handling all that, you know, all that customer service that they maybe aren't set up to do. Yeah, it really is a beautiful setup that we have because you're you're at, you're right on. Like you know, you've been on the website. You see, like we've built an entire user interface, and we're you know just. I was telling Yanni this morning. I think I may have mentioned to you. I've been interviewing like publicists and you know uh, marketing folks, and so we're really doing a whole a whole push around this. But you're absolutely right. It's it's creating the consumer market for. Um, for these farms without them having to do anything but, you know, but fulfill, um, but fulfill our orders. And I just think it's a really, it's a really beautiful working relationship across the board. And the, like again, those are the type of, you know, collaborations and partnerships mm-hmm. I enjoy. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I probably shared with this with you before is that I've always operated in a space of abundance mm-hmm. and not of scarcity. And I just believe in the power of partnership. I believe in the wisdom of collaboration. Um, you know, I've very much believe in that old adage that if you want to go, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And so I just, the way that it's all pulled together, that we can work collaboratively, it really, um, it, it just, it makes me happy because it's the way in which I enjoy, I enjoy working. And, you know, as we begin to grow the workshops, you know, I want to begin to include florists um, in this process as well and begin to work with them to, you know, to kind of host, you know, some of the, you know, the flower design um, aspects of the online, you know, the online workshops. And so, Mm. you know, I realize that this is a new, a new model um, for, for this industry. And, you know, there's been some florists that I've reached out to and they've been not interested at all. And I think it's, I think it's a natural reflex. It's a survival because they may see us as, you know, as a competitor, but um, I don't see us as a competitor at all, right? You can't send a box of postal petal flowers to someone in the hospital, right? You can't send a box of postal petal flowers to a funeral home or to someone who's sick and ailing, right? Like, mm. I feel like there's a, there's space for all of, mm. you know, That's for really all of our, our talent and expertise. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I, I, I have so many questions for you, Talia, but I feel like we should take a pause and Tell people a little bit about you and how, what your backstory is before you, you know, dove into flowers, because you have a very uh, long resume and, you know, a very successful history in other, in other uh, professions. And you're still kind of juggling two businesses right now. So can you give us a, the, the short version of the long story? <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you, it is a long story, but I'll give you the short version of it. My background is in um, public relations. I started in sports. I, I, I'm from the Los Angeles area, went to school in San Diego, started doing uh, public relations for NFL, the NFL teams. And then I moved to Washington to watch work with the Washington team. Um, and then from there, I just kind of 
it, you know, grew to start to turn into doing after I left the NFL as a whole, was doing a lot of work in like Marcom marketing, communication, brand strategy, partnerships, all relating around uh, brands and sports and then sports and entertainment properties. Mm -hmm. um, several years ago, um, I, just to back up what I would do with the way that it would look when I'd work with the brands in the sports and entertainment assets is that we would work with the brand, partner them with, um, with, uh, sports and entertainment, um, assets to utilize their social equity, to promote a product or service that the brand, uh, would be launching. Right. And so I did that work for several years. Um, a few years ago, I kind of got, um, a little bit, exhausted of the work that I was doing, really not because I didn't enjoy the people or the environment, but really just because I felt like it was getting to a point where all that I was doing was making people with money more money mm. and I wanted more substance. And so I spent almost almost two years really just kind of meditating on what the next phase of my life would be, what the next phase of my professional life would be. Um, I knew that I had a very coveted network in sports and entertainment. I knew that I had a God-given expertise and skill set in, you know, Marcom and branding and strategy and all of those things. And I didn't want to forsake any of it, but I wanted my work to be impactful. And so all of that culminated into the launch of um, uh, my, my agency, my new agency, well, new, it's almost three years old now. Um, and I call it Intersect. It's a, we call it a tactical solutions agency. And what we do is we still work with sports and entertainment, but we, we work now at the intersection of sports and entertainment, corporate and consumer brands and social impact. So whereas before we were putting, bringing together brands, um, with sports and entertainment assets to launch a product or service, we are now bringing together corporate and consumer brands with sports and entertainment assets for the purpose of social impact. Mm -hmm. And all of our work is done based on data research that shows that today's consumer, more than they care about a product or service that a brand provides, they care that the brand is socially and culturally aligned with the issues that are most important, which for most for all intents and purposes are, are social impact, social justice issues. So everything that we focus on is, you know, human rights or civil rights focused. I'm talking like immigrant rights, women's rights, um, LGBTQ rights, criminal justice reform, educational development, economic development, um, that kind of stuff. So we work with brands, we work with film and TV studios, and we have a number of uh, of our own initiatives. So it's a little different than flowers, but <laughs> but that's the work that we do. And that's why, you know, when you'll look on the website and you'll see messaging through our social media, you'll see some of that in there because, you know, this is, you know, Postal Petals is very much my company as is Intersect. And, I, you know, it, it wouldn't be authentic if I wasn't bold about demanding justice for Breonna Taylor or bold about encouraging people to vote or, you know, bold about, you know, the, the loss that, that we've all suffered where, with the death of, you know, the notorious RBG, right? All of those things are important for, you know, for, for me to be able to express, not just as a person, but as a person who owns, who owns a company. Well, so interesting because this, this model that you developed for uh, Intersect, in a way, you're now uh, able to, to, you know, run that whole, that whole program through Postal Petals. So when you use the word socially aligned, it, it kind of resonated with me because Postal Petals it, in and of itself is aligned with your values and your, mm -hmm. um, your priorities for operating in, you know, in today's cultural environment and the landscape. So uh, it, having your own business allows you to do that. It's really exciting to 
to witness. And it's encouraging to me because I, I believe that I want slow flowers to be the same way. And uh, so your role model, you are being a role model for, for me as well, Talia, just to watch you. You watch your your Instagram feed and watch some of the graphics that you put up and unapolo- unapologetically saying, hey, this matters to us. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I thought was so exciting that you started doing, and I want to draw everyone's attention to it, um, but you have a resource now on Postal Petals where you've started basically a directory of of Black florists in the U.S. who you want to highlight, some of whom are Slow Flowers members, but not enough of them. And I want to be able to follow and support this growing, uh, you know, kind of presence of creatives and artists who are black in the floral space who maybe haven't gotten the recognition that they need. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for bringing that up. You know, that, that was not planned. I'll be honest, that wasn't planned. What happened was as we, you know, we're starting to kind of pull together the lists of florists for us to reach out to, to partner with for the workshops, I noticed that there weren't a lot of black florists on that list. And so I had my team very intentionally research Black florist. And then um, a friend of mine, um, Ness um, Abigail, she runs this uh, vegan Ethiopian restaurant in LA called Osla. It's amazing. It's so delicious. But she connected me with Wit, Wit Hazen. Mm. And I, and on the call with Wit, she and I started talking and Wit had mentioned that um, Mayhesh had also put together a list of Black florists. And, and then I, so between the list that we compiled, the list that um, Mayhesh had, which had similar, a lot of the same um, black florist on there, but then we found a couple of other resources. We just kind of combined those lists and I thought, okay, great. So this, this is our directory of black florist. And then I thought, well, listen, kind of what I was saying earlier, somebody may come to our site looking for florist and we're not that, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't figure out a way to direct them to, to these, these resources. And if it was difficult for me to find a black florist, it may be difficult for other people to, you know, to um, find a black florist. And mm-hmm. I, and I want to be super clear. I am an unapologetically proud black woman. I don't, it doesn't make me feel any kind of way to say, you know, black lives matter. It doesn't make me feel any, any way to say I'm all about black girl magic, right? Like I say those things unapologetically. And so I'm always looking for a way to up, uplift and hold up, you know, my people. And so, um, and so we created the, the black florist page on our site. And I call that page, um, florist gifted in black, which is a play on the Nina Simone song, um, young gifted in black. Right. And it just lists all of the black florists across the country. And then I thought, well, you know, I want to make sure that one people know that this is here, but then also I'm sure there are so many other black florists that I don't know about. Let's start on Fridays doing Black Florist Friday where we can highlight, you know, seven to eight florists, you know, on our longer master list and then ask people to please tag other Black florists that they know across the country. And that it's been amazing because people will either, you know, tag them in the comments or shoot us a DM and our list is forever growing. And what's really beautiful that I see, what I see ultimately is that this is going to become, even though it will be evergreen as more Black florists come on the scene, that it will become almost like a, a, um, an, a, a, a lead resource for people sure. to find black florists across the country. And there's, there's no monetary benefit for us to do it. There's no angle for us at all. It's just, why not? We've yeah. got the space. We built the platform. When I came up with the idea, I, I, I called the developer. I'm like, Hey, can you add a page? He was like, you know it. 
and he did and it wow. was and it was great and I'm I'm so happy to do it and I'm I'm excited that you know people now have a place that they can go and if someone else has it I don't mean any disrespect please please you know DM us and we can you know combine resources yeah but. I mean let's make the list bigger no I I think it's really great that you're um, not only having this as a kind of a repository of of uh, references state by state, which I think is very valuable, but um, then pushing it out on your social media, you know, using a hashtag Black Flores Friday. Is that what it is? Yep, Black yeah. Flores Friday. Then other people can find it and start adding their voice to the, to the you know, growing awareness of, um, you know, this, you know, this facet of floristry that's, you know, not gotten the attention it deserves. So, and I also think... It seems to me that you originally started out by saying, I don't intend to compete with Flores. This is like your your demonstration of that belief, that there's room for a business like Postal Petals and for, you know, Flores in the same, you know, in the same conversation. And everybody, there's enough work for everybody if we take that attitude. And that, that was a, that was a byproduct of that, Deborah, because it wasn't until we started with that page and started doing the Black Florist Friday that I started to see florists responding differently to us. Mm. So that wasn't even a strategy. It really was a pure, a pure hearted gesture, but you're absolutely right. I saw them begin to respond differently because I think that they were able to then recognize, I think because of some of the language that we used um, on the post and on the site, because we're not, we're not competition. Even if we were a florist, everybody's style um, aesthetic is different. You know, people, people buy art in their homes and they may have art from 10 different artists, right? Like there's just, there's, I just believe there's enough for all of us. It's better to work together than work against, you know, against each other. And so I, so yes, that was just a, that was a byproduct, but yes, it's, it's beautiful because I feel like now they do see us as more of an ally um, and a possible, and a possible collaborator. Um, rather than someone that's coming in to destroy their business, because that I I I I can't make flowers for everybody, so I don't want to be. <laughs> well, it's I back to wanna, yeah. it's back to your your personal philosophy of abundance and not scarcity too. So yeah. I I'm inspired by that. Hey, if someone's listening to this and they um, want to do business with you, uh, I'm thinking there might be there might be florists who want to get in touch and talk to you about your future rollout of of online courses, which we didn't really get into, but. The information is is on your website, but also um, maybe growers who want you to know what they have and and whether they're a, a source for you. Is that is that something you're open to, or are you ready for that yes. information yet? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If they can email us at um, hello at postalpetals.com. Okay, um, that's how they can they, that's how they can reach us kind of generally, and then. Uh, my assistant will kind of farm the emails, uh, the emails out, or they can DM. I'm, I, I have someone that manages, uh, that helps kind of to manage our social media, but I'm also in there all the time because I'm, I'm overbearing that way because I'm wanting to see like who's messaging us, what are they saying, all of these <laughs> things. So I'm in there. So yeah, I a lot it. of times if, if you're seeing what's happening on, um, if you if you DM. Um, Postal pedals nine, I'd say eight times out of ten, it's me responding. <laughs> and if you want me responding, just say you know, hey Talia. And then, you know, they'll yeah. just say, hey, somebody in, in DM looking for you. Well, Talia, do you ever get to play with flowers anymore? Or are you just too damn busy? <laughs> you know, what's really sad is that I don't play with them still as much as I, I, this whole thing started with me wanting to get more, more flowers that I can, that I can play with. And I probably had them maybe 
five or six times in mm. the last few months, which for some people sounds like a lot, but for me, and when you know, when I'm wanting to do them every other week or so is not really enough. But I tell you where I'm getting my fix is in building this company. Mm. And I know it probably sounds like so like, oh, oh it's I bet, creative. I'm so sure. But it, it is, it's a it's a creative outlet and it's it's interesting. And um, and you'll find this, people will find this if they if they choose to um to read the blogs that I've written on the website. But I, I talk very openly about how I, for all intents and purposes, um, have ended up using this company as like an emotional crutch, mm. right? In this in this space that we're living in, I am so incredibly um, this this juxtaposition of being overwhelmed by what's happening in our world between a lot of the social injustices and the COVID and just a significant amount of personal loss that I've experienced over the past several months, but then also the other side of it and the the, the incredible success that. I, um, that I'm having professionally, the joy that I get from being able to even do this, right? Because it, it is a privilege. And I, I really, I look forward to working on this because it just, it, it lets my creative juices flow. And to your point, it's funny because I've, I've had my own company always for maybe the past 10 or 12 years, I've always had my own company, but this is the first time I've had felt fully in charge, right? Because when you do B2B, like, yes, Intersect is my agency, my Agency before is my own, right? But you're still beholden to clients and the decisions that they make. And all you can do is make recommendations and put together your best pitch. And then they decide which, you know, kind of what they want to move forward with and you and then act accordingly. But there's there's such an incredible power position that I'm in right now with postal pedals and the amount of creativity that I can that I can put into it. I'm actually very, very excited mm. to see how these worlds between intersect and postal pedals really do begin to come together. And I want to see postal pedals successful because I see as postal pedals becomes more successful and our profile rises and, you know, we be able, you know, we begin to, you know, ship more boxes and have more customers and all of those things. A natural byproduct of that is going to be that we're going to be a far more impactful um, company and that we're going to be able to do a lot more a lot more good in the world and a good, you know, in, in our communities around the country. And that makes me really excited. Just, mm. it makes me very, very excited. I'm, I'm looking very far down the road, but I see what's coming. I very much. Well, I'm excited for you and I'm so delighted to meet you and have had a chance to interview you. We actually also have an article uh, that's going to post on Slowflowers Journal uh, online magazine um, around the time that this podcast lands. So um, people will be able to read more about your journey and your philosophy and, and um, your your unique path to flowers that, uh, you know, is <laughs> so inspiring. So um, I'm delighted that we could do this and share your story with the, the larger podcast community and the Soul Flowers community. And um, I look forward to doing some more fun things together. So thanks for uh, being on the on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It means it means so much. I really, really do appreciate your your support. I appreciate you sharing my story and that of Postal Petals with your audience. And, and this is just the beginning. So I appreciate you helping us get started. I agree with you. Okay. Thanks so much, Talia. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
Thanks so much for joining us today. There is so much inspiration packed into a conversation with Talia Boone. I jotted down one of her references and it's worth restating here. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That is the true message of Slow Flowers and for everyone who is part of our community. As I mentioned, you can read more about Talia in today's show notes. Today, we also posted a feature story about postal petals in Slow Flowers Journal online. That's at slowflowersjournal.com. Earlier this week, we started a six-part editorial series called New Floral Marketing Models and Platforms, beginning with Amelia Ilo of Rooted Farmers on Monday and Rachel Heath of Flora Funbox yesterday. After today's feature about postal petals, the series continues for three more days as we profile American Grown at Home, a project of Kelly Shore and Petals by the Shore, Zap Bloom, Sally Vanderweiss' new venture, and Tammy Myers of Laura Bloom. I know this series will interest you because there's inspiration for flower farmers, florists, and designers to consider diversification in their own enterprises. And I'm pretty sure this series will prompt others to reach out and let me know who they are and tell me about their new models. Our next sponsor thank yous goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. We have a new Slow Flowers article that dropped last week in Johnny's Advantage, which is Johnny's monthly newsletter. It's all about pricing and profitability and features advice from five Slow Flowers growers. You'll want to read it, and I'll share the link in today's show notes. Oh, okay, Hugh, does October seem like the year's busiest month so far? I feel it, and you might too. Flowers are still blooming in my garden so far. Our expected first frost date won't come for another few weeks. One flower farmer recently told me that October 15th was his frost date. Whether the thermometer is down to freezing or not, he's ready for a break, and I don't blame him. The zeitgeist of anticipation in our lives is undeniable, and some, maybe most of it, comes with a side order of anxiety. How do we move forward with so much uncertainty? Taking positive action is sometimes the best antidote to that feeling. To that end, I'm thrilled to share that next week on October 20th, our friend Karen Thornton is leading the installation of a new Say Their Names Memorial in Kirkland, Washington, which is a suburb on the east side of Seattle. Karen owns Avenue 22 Events, and she is also Slow Flowers Operations and Special Events Manager. Many of you have met her during our regular Zoom meetups or in person at the past two Slow Flowers Summits. Karen also recently took over Slow Flowers Membership Management from Lisa Wad, who has taken a step back for other important projects. I want to let you know about the Say Their Names Memorial because it continues the good work of Portland-based wedding and event designer Joy Proctor, who began the memorial on Juneteenth when she and others mounted black and white portraits of more than 200 black women and men whose lives were lost due to racial injustice. Flowers play a role in the powerful and sobering gallery of faces and names as each portrait is commemorated with a small bouquet. Check out today's show notes to find more information about the memorial series. We've had Slow Flowers members actively involved in mounting installations in the Dallas area, in Atlanta, and in other cities. Slow Flowers and several of our member florists and farmers are supporting the October 20th installation in the Seattle area. 
Please follow the links I'll share in today's show notes to volunteer, donate through Karen's GoFundMe campaign, and to provide support. Okay, about those announcements and the news I promised to share. First, there's still time to complete the 2021 Slow Flowers member survey. And to thank you for sharing your time to take the survey, we'd like to send you an etched Slow Flowers Society botanical bookmark and enter your name into the drawing for one free registration to the 2021 Slow Flowers Summit, valued at $599. But you must give us your name and contact information to receive the bookmark and enter the drawing. If you choose to respond anonymously, we can't bestow our gifts. Uh, the deadline for this is November 1st. Tomorrow, October 15th, registration begins for my first online course, Slow Flowers Creative Workshop, Floral Storytelling. The course begins November 1st, so check out links and take advantage of the $200 introductory promo code, meaning you can enjoy this course for just $97. It includes three modules, 11 lessons, six worksheets, and three writing templates, and I'm excited to see you in the course. On Friday, October 16th, the 2020 Flower Stock Virtual Edition launches. A combination of live presentations and pre-recorded presentations from a wide range of florist designers, creatives, and more, Flower Stock is the brainchild of our friend and Slow Flowers member, Holly Chapel. I've developed a new module for my session, A Bouquet of Words, recorded specifically for Flower Stock attendees. You can follow the link to see the full program and register. And I'll have that in uh, today's show notes. And don't worry, if you miss the live presentations, the recordings will be available as evergreen content in the future. From Sunday, October 26th to Wednesday, October 28th, I returned to Flurvana, a virtual floral conference that first took place in late August. The Flurvana Holiday Summit follows much of the same format, but has all new presentations and a combination of new and returning speakers. I've developed an entirely new presentation called Taking Stock, Writing Your 2020 Year in Review and 2021 Forecast with Creative Intention. As with last time, you can register for a free pass to attend Florvana during October 25th or 28th, and you can purchase a VIP pass to access private speaker roundtables and watch the presentations at your own pace. I'll have a link to register in today's show notes too. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 649,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprincing.com. Our final sponsor thank you goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. And we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone. 
independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.